Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, Look what's going on in our country, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Crow Joe, that'll be his name from now on here. Jim Crow Joe, because he's had experience with Jim Crow, unlike any other politician on the American scene today. Jim Crow Joe is busy undermining this republic in every way possibly can. Immigration, a disaster on the southern border, a inhumane chaos taking place for which he and his vice president have no interest, and yet he unleashed it. We have massive debt. We're spending trillions of dollars every month, every month. They got the parliamentarian of the Senate to buckle. And so they can have up to four bills. They already got one at $1.9 trillion. That was really $3.3 trillion. They've got another one set for $2.5 trillion. Another one after that set for $2 trillion. Your country's being destroyed by this insane, nasty old man and his diabolical party. And God help your children and grandchildren and mine too. He has a massive tax plan set that will set back this economy and promote the Chinese economy. Because you're going to place heavy taxation on our businesses that are trying to compete worldwide. The communist Chinese are more into tax cutting than Joe Biden. They're practicing more capitalism than Joe Biden. So debt, taxes, and spending like never before in American history. 
What else? Joe Biden, a.k.a. Jim Crow Joe, is a throwback to the segregationists. He's a throwback to the racists. He believes his racist language will endear him to minorities in this country. And that by using racist language and repeating certain words like Jim Crow, that he will be viewed as some kind of friend of black people and minorities. He's no friend of black people and minorities. He never has been. He's a user. So he will use them. He will try and create anger and jealousy and divisions to his political advantage. That's it. He won't lift a finger for black people. He won't lift a finger for Latino people. What he's doing on the border isn't lifting a finger for American Latinos. What he's doing there is creating chaos and anarchy. And he's loving every minute of it. He's sitting back and he's laughing. He didn't think it would be this easy. But his party is full of, well, there's not a single leader in the Senate. They all, or the House, they all march in lockstep behind Joe. But they want to drag the rest of us off the cliff as well. And as I explained yesterday now, we're changing words. Infrastructure now means the entire neo-Marxist socialist agenda. And if you don't support it, then you don't support infrastructure. Oh, and by the way, on top of that, you're obviously a racist. So now we're redefining, as I pointed out last week and yesterday, infrastructure. We redefined coronavirus relief. We're redefining racism. We're redefining words, phrases. For what purpose? To advance Joe Biden, his party, and their cause. Trillions and trillions of dollars. It's very interesting. He says, and now they're saying, because they lie, that the Joe Biden massive deficit spending plan, massive redistribution of wealth plan, massive regulatory plan will actually create 19 million jobs. Well, they lied. It's predicted 16 million jobs will be created without one penny spent under the Joe Biden Marxist program. Maybe he'll create 2.7 million jobs. Maybe he won't. But calculations have been done. That would mean $830,000 per job based on the trillions of dollars Joe Biden wants to spend in this next bill. $830,000 a job. Only the government can do this and then brag about it. You won't hear that on CNN or MSNBC. You won't hear that on CBS, ABC, or NBC. You won't see that in the New York Times or the Washington Post. Because those numbers don't help. Do they? And tell me, how many senior investigative reporters for the New York Times and the Washington Post have been on the southern border? Like Republicans from Congress have been. How many? How many from 60 Minutes? Where they're busy chasing down an honorable man, the governor of Florida. How many of them are on the southern border? None. How many CNN hosts and MSNBC hosts are on the southern border? None. And yet Fox hosts have been on the southern border. 
Just close your eyes to what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. Close your eyes. Your school systems will feel it. Your hospital systems will feel it. Your local law enforcement will feel it. You will feel it with higher taxes. God knows what's going to happen when people come in here. More MS-13. Does Joe Biden seem to give a damn about anybody other than himself? He screwed over the people of Atlanta and Georgia big time. And he's doing the same to the rest of the United States. What did I say a month or six weeks ago? Well, of course you don't remember. Why should you, quite frankly? But I remember because I said it. The entire nation is a sanctuary nation. The entire nation is a sanctuary nation. I wonder how people in the inner cities are going to feel when they and their kids can't get jobs. They can't get jobs in the local stores, in the fast food restaurants. When high school kids can't get jobs because they're competing with illegal aliens. I wonder what they're going to think then. People coming into this country, they're not even being processed. They're just being released into this country. We have an open border, ladies and gentlemen. It's wide open. It's wide open. They said they wanted to abolish ICE and the Border Patrol. Well, when you have 40% of them handing out diapers and milk formula and all the rest, you've effectively done exactly that. When you refuse to deport even criminals, you've effectively done exactly that. Anybody concerned? Anybody concerned in the suburbs and the rural parts of the country? Anybody concerned in the cities of this country that delivered their vote to Joe Biden? You concerned at all? Apparently not. Apparently not. Joe Biden's next move, he's got a whole law, he's got a million of them, is on the Second Amendment. And according to Politico, Politico and Axios are their favorite uh, sources for leaking. There's an announcement expected tomorrow. An announcement's expected tomorrow. Joe Biden will direct his administration to begin the process of requiring buyers of so-called ghost guns, homemade or makeshift firearms that lack serial numbers, to undergo background checks, according to three people who have spoken to the White House about plans. How many people make their own guns at home? I mean, I, I'm just saying. Where does he have the power to do this? Can somebody point to a statute? He can't point to the Constitution. And are these guns killing people? People making guns at home? I don't know. What are the statistics on that, Mr. Producer? Like zero? Other executive actions remain unclear, but advocates have been in touch with the White House, have speculated that the president could announce regulations on concealed assault-style firearms, whatever that means, prohibitions on firearm purchases for those convicted of domestic violence. Does that mean Hunter Biden can't own a gun, Mr. Producer? Prohibitions on firearm purchases for those convicted of domestic violence against their partners. Alerts to law enforcement agencies. Do we still have those, Hunter Biden? When a potential buyer fails a background check and federal guidance on home storage safety measures. Now, I'm of two minds on this. Number one, most of this isn't going to do a damn thing about anything. Would have no effect on the mass murders that took place. None. Zero. 
Nothing. But number two, where does he have the authority to even do this? What next? The First Amendment? Fourth Amendment? Fifth Amendment? What next? More than 100 House Democrats wrote to Biden last week urging him to take action on the concealed assault-style firearms, which is similar to the one used in the Colorado shooting in which 10 people were killed. Concealed assault-style firearm? Didn't he use an AR-15, Mr. Producer? Isn't that a rifle? I know it's a rifle. I have one. So what do they mean, concealed assault-style firearms? That's a mouthful. Politico, does anyone at Politico own a weapon? Do they have any idea what the hell they're talking? No, no idea. They don't have to. They're just writing. Biden is also expected to announce David Chipman, a longtime former ATF agent, to be his nominee, to be the director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Now, why is that a big deal? He's a senior advisor at Giffords, a group advocating for firearms restrictions. So Biden looks for the most radical person he can and appoints them to these positions. But I have an objection with the appointment of this gentleman. He's white. And so that, per se, is racist. And Biden is expected to be joined at the White House by Attorney General Merrick Garland, members of Congress, groups pushing for firearms restrictions, community organizations, and gun violence survivors. Several people planning to attend said in interviews, they had not been briefed on what Biden's actions would release. So they don't care, they just want to do it. Biden hasn't just received criticism from these groups, but a recent poll. Whose poll? We don't know. It's just a recent poll. We don't know what kinds of questions they ask, but it doesn't matter. Politico is cherry-picking. 50% of Americans disapprove of the way Biden has handled gun violence as president, with opposition from both Republicans and Democrats. 42% approve. What does that mean, exactly? I disapprove of everything this jackass has done. So does that mean I support him? Or that I want more gun control? A senior administration official recently confirmed the White House was wrapping up their actions and could announce them in a series of stages. Oh, good. They're going to fill all these loopholes. You know what loopholes are to the left, Mr. Producer? You know what loopholes are to the Democrats, America? Your freedom. Your freedom. Oh, my goodness. There's a loophole. We forgot... To close the loophole. That guy can actually buy a gun legally and legitimately. We've got to close that loophole. That guy can actually keep some of his own money and not pay it to the government in taxes. Well, that's a loophole. We actually have to close that loophole. But there's one loophole Joe Biden never wants to talk about. There's one loophole Joe Biden's supporters never want to talk about. But I'll talk about it, as I have in the past, but I want to underscore it when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. 
Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty. Since 1844, it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's start it now. Let's start it now. Jim Crow Joe. Jim Crow Joe, he claims other people are practicing Jim Crow, but he did. And Jim Crow Joe is also Loophole Joe, because Loophole Joe has used loopholes to avoid paying Social Security and Medicare taxes and Obama-related taxes. Loophole Joe and uh, it is Dr. Jill Wife. And this was pointed out by Christopher Jacobs way back in September. We highlighted it here. And it's worth noting again. Now, he points out back then reporters should dig into Biden's tax returns in the same way they've shown a seemingly unquenchable curiosity regarding Trump's for one reason. Biden claims to support Obamacare but has consistently avoided paying Obamacare taxes. He said, uh, I noted last year that Biden's 2017-2018 return showed a tax avoidance strategy that allowed him to circumvent over half a million dollars in Medicare and Obamacare taxes. According to their own records, Biden and his wife Jill did the same thing in 2019. Since he left government in early 2017, the Bidens funneled their income from book royalties and speaking fees through two corporations, Celtic Capri Corporation and Giacapa Corporation. What's he, part of the mob or something, Mr. Producer? They paid themselves modest salaries through the corporations on which they paid full Social Security Medicare taxes, that is, on their salaries. But the Bidens took most of this book and speech income, over $13.5 million, not as wages, but as profits from two corporations. Taking that income as corporate profits allowed them to avoid payroll taxes on $13.5 million. Now, the New York Post brought this up the other day as well, and they say this is perfectly legal. There are others who say, no, not quite. This is a, a very serious question. More when I return. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today, not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. 
This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. While we're dealing with this idiot Martin Van Buren type in the Oval Office, China's on the move, Russia's on the move, Iran's on the move, with the assistance style of the United States, as I explained last night. Even the Palestinians are on the move, with the assistance style of the United States. Again, we're going to be funding them. Funding them. And they're terrorist regimes. We've gone from the Abraham Accords and peace breaking out in the Middle East to Biden undermining those accords and the peace movement in the Middle East to now funding Abbas and his family and his consigliaries a terrorist operation no other way to describe it. And of course, funding and helping the Iranian Islamo-Nazi regime. This is what happens when you put an unhinged mental case in the Oval Office. Putin is militarizing the Arctic with no pushback from us. China's on the move. And what is Biden doing? Biden's at war with Georgia. I remember when Russia was at war with Georgia. We're a different Georgia. He's at war with Georgia. He's trying to destroy our electoral system. He's trying to destroy the Republican Party. You have to wish that this president would use his, his, his sleazy tactics against our real enemies. But no, he uses them against us. Now I want to get back to his taxes. He and Dr. Jill. He's never been asked these questions on the Joe Scarborough show. Why? Because number one, Joe is a dumbass. And number two, his head is so far up the ventilation system in the White House, it's not even funny. It's the truth. Since uh, Biden left office... In early 2017, the Bidens funneled their income from books and royalties and speaking fees through two corporations, the Celtic Capri Corporation and the Giacapa Corporation. They paid themselves modest salaries through the corporations on which they paid full Social Security and Medicare taxes. Now, because Social Security taxes only applied to the first 132900 of income in 2019, The Bidens didn't avoid paying the taxes that fund that program. But the 2.9% Medicare tax applies to all income. And the 0.9% high-income tax created in Section 9015 of Obamacare applies to all wage income over $200,000 for an individual or $250,000 for a family. Notice the Bidens have never been asked about this, not even before the election. Not by a single debate moderator, not even Chris Wallace, not a word. 
Taking their income as corporate profits allowed the Bidens to avoid paying this combined 3.8% payroll tax on the more than $13.5 million in income they received from 2017 through 2019. The tax avoidance strategy, so they didn't pay their fair share towards Medicare or Obamacare, and of course Obamacare was invented by Biden and Obama. And Medicare is heading for bankruptcy, as is Social Security. But Biden protected his $13.5 million, so he didn't pay a penny of that into Medicare or the Obamacare program. Not one penny. Now, the tax avoidance strategy saved them less in 20, oh, 2019 than in prior years. On the other hand, Biden earned much less that year. To most ordinary Americans, however, the Biden still circumvented a staggering amount of taxes. $513,540 in total over three years, whereas the Bidens avoided $391,912 in Medicare taxes from 2017 through 2019. The Urban Institute found that a couple with average earnings retiring this year would pay a combined $161,000 in Medicare taxes their entire working lives. Bottom line is the Bidens didn't pay over half a million dollars in payroll taxes to Medicare and for Obamacare through a tax loophole. A loophole. Even as he released another set of tax returns showing his continued willingness to circumvent Obamacare taxes. The Biden campaign continued to run ads in which Biden claimed Obamacare is personal to me. Personal to him. Likewise, Democrats had attempted to subpoena Trump's tax returns, refused to even delve into Biden's. In 2017, Biden paid himself a paltry salary compared to the $10 million in corporate profits he received, an arrangement that might violate IRS compensation guidelines. So the New York Post is a little too quick to say this is perfectly legal. That's not clear at all. But here we go again. When it comes to race, Joe Biden is the only man in Washington, D.C. who supported Jim Crow. The only one. And now he throws that term around to attack his Republican opponents. Who never supported Jim Crow. And now he talks about loopholes. Tax loopholes. And he used a particularly pernicious tax loophole to evade payroll taxes on Medicare and Obamacare. Programs he claims to support, because he's from the middle class, don't you know? I tried to explain last evening what a diabolical man Joe Biden actually is. That Joe Biden has always been for Joe Biden. He will do and say anything for power. He will do and say anything for attention. He will destroy people. He will destroy careers. He will align himself with segregationists. Now he'll align himself with Marxists and other forms of neo-Marxists who seek to overthrow the, the society and the culture. He will bankrupt this country, your children and grandchildren and future generations. So somebody will write a book about him and his magnificent legacy. Because Joe, after all, wants to live forever. 
Meanwhile, our enemies abroad are very, very pleased with what they're seeing. Trillions and trillions and trillions. Destroying our own energy sector. Committing suicide here in the West. Well, in the East, they're on the rise. They can't believe their good luck. They can't believe their good luck, which is our bad luck. The only countries that are worried, of course, are our allies. The little state of Israel now. Because Joe Biden is saddling up to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. And they'll, they'll eat his lunch, as Joe likes to say. They'll eat his lunch. Because we're dealing with, in the Biden administration's appeasers, some anti-Semites, almost all anti-Israel. You look at them, and today they announce their support for the Palestinian regime, the Palestinian Authority. When's the last time Abbas had an election, a legitimate election? They don't have those anymore. Have you ever heard of any opposition groups or people in the Palestinian Authority? No, they don't make it through the night. And so they're going to begin funding the Palestinian regime again, which uses some of its money to commit terrorists, uh, to fund terrorists and commit terrorist acts. It's not just going on with Hamas, it's going on with Abbas. This is really quite shocking. And you can see all the frauds who defend this stuff. All the frauds. Now, Mr. Bezos, who's worth a couple of hundred billion dollars, give or take, even after his divorce, he has come out in support of Biden's infrastructure plans, including the tax increases. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Bezos is an oligarch. And he knows full well that Joe Biden can raise taxes to 100%. And he'll still have a couple hundred billion dollars. Because Joe Biden can't touch Bezos' wealth. Despite all the talk from the nitwit Elizabeth Warren about a wealth tax, a wealth tax would be unconstitutional. You can't just reach back and steal somebody's property. Not yet, anyway. They're getting there. So Bezos says, we support the Biden administration's focus on making bold investments in American infrastructure. Both Democrats and Republicans have supported infrastructure in the past, and it's the right work together to make this happen. What the hell is this buffoon talking about? Infrastructure? 30% of what's being proposed is actual Infrastructure. So we're being told, after all these years of education, after all these years of experience, that infrastructure doesn't mean what we used to think it means. It means the entire neo-Marxist financial and economic program. That's infrastructure. That's infrastructure. So every fascistic regime and every Marxist regime and everything in between that spends their nations in the bankruptcy, enslaves their people to the state, takes their money to build up the government, that's just infrastructure. What are you worried about? Maybe Maduro in Venezuela can, 
can hire a PR firm, maybe the same PR firm that used to advise Biden, to get the nomenclature right. What he ought to say is, I'm not a Marxist. I'm just trying to spend money on our infrastructure. Redistributing wealth. The rich have to pay their fair share. Except me, of course. Maduro, I'm worth $40 billion, but that, you know, that's a whole different story. Except me, of course, Biden. I'm worth tens of millions of dollars, and I, I, I play the tax loopholes. But, but everybody else we're talking about, of course. And Bezos, of course. I keep hearing, I don't know if it's true, that Amazon didn't pay one cent in taxes last year, Mr. Producer, income taxes. No wonder he wants a change. Because he's under attack. We're supportive of a rise in the corporate tax rate, says Bezos. We look forward to Congress and the administration coming together to find the right balanced solution that maintains or enhances U.S. competitiveness. Now, what does that mean? Nothing. Bezos announces the co-founding of the Climate Pledge at the National Press Club. Back in September, see, he understands as a corporatist. That you got to get in front of the mob. You got to get in front of the mob. So he supports changing the economy for climate change. He supports increasing the corporate income tax. And look, from his perspective, he got even richer during a pandemic. If every single retail operation in this country collapsed, he'd be worth 10 times more than he is today. And that's the nature of these corporatists. I've coined that phrase over and over again over the last 20 years, the corporatists. That is, just as the Democrats and the Democrat Party leadership put their party first, the corporatists put their companies and their own profits first. Now, I don't have a problem with that as a theoretical matter. I believe in the free market. I have a problem with that when these oligarchs use their power and their money to destroy capitalism and competition for the rest of us. That when they position themselves and they angle to advance their own personal and corporate interests at the expense of the rest of us. So he favors more infrastructure. Have you noticed all those trucks out there? They're not just UPS, they're not just FedEx, are they, Mr. Producer? They're the Amazon premium trucks all over the place. You and I should pay, you see, to make sure that those deliveries are easier, more efficient for Mr. Bezos. That's what he's thinking of. And redistribu- uh, redistribution of wealth, he could care less. They can't, we can't touch his $200 billion. It's just money going forward. But he's a He's a leader of the little guy, is Bezos. He's for the little guy. All these billionaires, Soros and Bezos, makes you wonder, doesn't it? They don't seem so little to me, do they to you? So why do they support all this? Because it slaughters their competition, that's why. In the case of Soros, he's betting on the currency to collapse, as he did with the British sterling pound case of Bezos, he's counting on small businesses to collapse. Because for them, it's not even about money anymore. It's about power. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. If America is racist, sitting here thinking about it. If America is systemically racist, if every aspect of this society and culture, of course, except for the Democrat Party and the left, are diabolical, they need to be fundamentally transformed. I have a question, America. Then why are we spending $2.5 trillion on infrastructure? Why invest one penny in such a corrupt country? One cent in such a corrupt country? Why? And on July 4th, when Joe Biden draws attention to himself and the founding of this nation, why are they celebrating July 4th, 1776? I thought the nation was founded in 1619. It's about time we set this damn thing straight, ladies and gentlemen, with a man in the Oval Office who's a racist and he's always been a racist. We have a man in the Oval Office who turns a blind eye to genocide in communist China. We have a man in the Oval Office who is propping up terrorist regimes in Iran and the Palestinian Authority. We have a man in the Oval Office who doesn't give a damn what's happening to people, Latinos and Americans who are Caucasians on the southern border. He could care less. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-8. 7738138113811 We have a breaking story at the Washington Examiner exclusive ICE gave 87 million dollar no bid contract to business with Biden ties raising conflict of interest questions by Anna Giratelli Homeland Security reporter Washington Examiner now, again, if this had been Trump and the Trump administration, they'd be conducting impeachment hearings over this, and this would be 
something with headlines blaring day in and day out, grand juries busily operating, but this will fall mostly on deaf ears, except for you, because you're patriots and this stuff concerns you. The Biden administration did not solicit bids for a multi-million dollar contract to house migrant families in hotels, and instead gave the massive contract to an organization whose leadership has ties to the White House, including one official who was on the Biden transition team. In its rush to stand up facilities to hold families who come over the southern border illegally in rising numbers, the Biden administration signed a deal that a member of Congress and people with knowledge of the matter said presented a conflict of interest and wasted existing government facilities. Last month, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, an agency of the Department of Homeland Security, signed an $87 million contract to acquire and oversee an operation involving 1,200 hotel beds to house migrant families in Arizona and Texas. The contract was given to the nonprofit organization Family Endeavors, based out of San Antonio, Texas, which has no previous history as an ICE contractor. But Family Endeavors does have a former senior official on the Biden transition team in its leadership. Former ICE official Andrew Lorenz... What is it? Lorenz. Andrew Lorenz. Andrew Lorenz Strait. Oh, three names. One of those. Andrew Lorenz-Strait. Identified as a potential broker in the deal by Representative Andrew Clyde of Georgia, who's tracking the contract as well as two others with knowledge of the situation. On January 20, Inauguration Day, Family Endeavors announced that Lorenzo Strait would become its Senior Director for Migrant Services and Federal Affairs, meaning he would be the organization's liaison to the federal government. Within two months, Lorenzo Strait secured the contract, $87 million. Government contracts are supposed to be awarded through an open competitive process outlined in the Federal Acquisition Regulations. Information obtained through the federal procurement data system indicates that ICE never opened the contract to outside companies and organizations, but went with an internal candidate who had significant insider connections. Quote, the bid was advertised for competition, as is the norm, said Carol Thompson, a partner with the Washington-based federal practice group law firm. The only exception, Thompson said, was in the case of an emergency, such as disaster relief. In that case, ICE would have to provide a justification and approval document explaining why it did not compete the contract. A failure to do so would likely result in disciplinary action against the ICE officials who signed the deal, and the contract would be voided. ICE published its reason for not competing the contract after being contacted, after being contacted by the Washington Examiner Wednesday morning. It cited, quote, unusual and compelling urgency, unquote, as the reason for not complying with federal contract law. Though the situation at the border might warrant the use of the exception, I find it hard to believe that there were no other vendors that could have been at least considered uh, for the award, said Clyde, a Republican who wrote a letter to ICE leadership. ICE said in a statement that the hotels are intended to be short-term and generally less than 72 hours. Did not comment on questions related to the Lorenz Strait potential conflict of interest. Family Endeavors 
had had contracts with several other federal agencies, including the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the Federal Acquisition Service. However, the contracts were valued at less than $1 million, except for one that was $1.4 million. Family Endeavors took in $43 million in 2018, according to their tax documents that year. Its $87 million contract is more than double the money it took in altogether last year. And despite its nonprofit status, its seven top executives made six-figure salaries in 2008, as much as $312,000 that year. Seems pretty profitable for a nonprofit, said a second per- person who was familiar with the situation. Anyway, there you go. You always have the bottom feeders looking for opportunities, and for some reason they're always linked to a Biden. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? The Bidens are always there at the ready. And so are their friends and family. I wonder if our friend uh, Jeremy Peters will look into this. Or how about our friend uh, Philly Bump? Maybe he'll look into this. Maybe Andrea Mitchell will take a peek. Fredo Cuomo? Nah. Nah, He's got enough familial problems. He doesn't really want to look at anything. Anybody in the media? New York Slimes? Washington Compost, ABC, NBC, CBS, anybody in the media? No, I don't think so. Nobody else, anyway. You remember Vin, uh, Faye Vincent? Faye Vincent is like, uh, was a professor. Maybe he still is. I even think he was a professor, and maybe it was ancient history or philosophy, or whatever it is. But he was called in to bring some stability to Major League Baseball. He was a commissioner, a short-term commissioner, at his own uh, decision of Major League Baseball. And he was so appalled by the decision of Robert Manfred, the current baseball commissioner, that he went to the pages of the Wall Street Journal to write an op-ed. And here's what he said in part. Former commissioner. Major League Baseball decided last week to move the All-Star Game out of Atlanta after the Georgia legislature passed changes to the state's voting laws that many, he writes, including President Biden, called racist. Just listen to the whole thing. Activists urged Commissioner Robert Manfred to punish Georgia by rushing to do so without first protesting the substance of the law. Mr. Manfred made a serious mistake. The use of muscle or financial power to influence policy is an ancient tactic. As you'll see, you can see his, uh, his background here. The term boycott has its roots in the 19th century of Ireland, where the nationalist politician Charles Stuart Parnell urged his followers not to deal with Charles Cunningham Boycott, a highly unpopular British land agent. A boycott is generally an act of desperation, and the original one was largely unsuccessful. Organizations like Major League Baseball have sometimes participated in public debates over policy. Moving directly to an economic sanction suggests that Mr. Manfred believed the Georgia law required drastic intervention. But consider what he did not do. He did not limit the number of home games the Atlanta Braves will play. He did not need the approval of the Players Union to do that, and Braves owner John Malone would surely resist. Excuse me, he would need. To move the site of the All-Star game is one thing. To ignore union and ownership powers is quite another. 
The Midsummer All-Star Game is an exhibition that benefits only the city where it's played. And it was reported Tuesday morning that Denver will be the new host. The players will get paid no matter where the game takes place. Major League Baseball will get the same television revenue. The only people hurt by Mr. Manford's decision will be Atlanta stadium workers and local vendors. And never forget it. Never forget it. The talk shows and editorial pages are full of questions. What is the basis for acting so forcefully against Georgia? If Georgia's racist, how can baseball talk of doing business with communist China? Mr. Manfred failed to spell out specific criticisms of Georgia's voting law. Now he's put himself in the awkward position of having to defend Colorado's voting laws. During my time as commissioner, I learned that the American people view baseball as a public trust. They want the game to stand for the best and noblest of our national virtues. They see baseball as the repository of their dreams, even as they root for their favorite teams. They don't want and won't accept anything that separates them from the game's history and leadership. That's what these clownish, overpaid, mind-numbing athletes don't get. That the sport is bigger than any single athlete or broadcaster. Major League Baseball can't become a weapon in the culture wars, a hostage for one political party or ideology. It can't be only for the rich or the poor, nor can it only be for one race, as it was in 1947. Baseball must always stand above politics, and its dark elements of corruption, greed, and sordid selfishness. It can't go wrong by standing for national greatness. The situation calls to mind the 2006 lacrosse, Duke lacrosse case. This is genius here. When many erred, like Mr. Manfred has here, by leaping to a conclusion based on assumptions rather than carefully considered facts. And his point here is, look how wrong everybody was about the Duke lacrosse team. Look how they were smeared. Look how the... The attacks on them moved in one direction. That they were, they were being destroyed. They had to hire lawyers and on and on and on. And now we know it was a big lie. That's his point about the Georgia law. The Georgia law is not Jim Crow. And for people to follow Joe Biden, who is a moron and a nitwit, a racist, for decades, is shocking. Now, he said, I've done the same thing, to my regret, that is, uh, made assumptions without carefully checking the facts. Much rides on Mr. Manfred's shoulders, so he must be prudent. Perhaps he now sees how complicated these issues can become. I wish him well. Former Commissioner of Baseball, Faye Vincent. Well, I don't wish him well in the least. He can go to hell, and so can his league. They've now declared war on the Republican Party. They've now declared war on anyone who's not a radical leftist. They declared war on the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia. I don't wish them well in the least. I hope they go broke. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. 
Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Let me just close the uh, gap here, close the circle. Major League Baseball, as uh, Daily Wire points out, major corporations across the country are having uh, trouble reading the room. Some new findings from a new national poll commissioned by the Daily Wire. And um, for years, many in the media have argued that increasing politicization of sports isn't impacting viewership. Uh, that's not true. The results of the Daily Wire's poll show this line of thinking to be a swing and a miss. With Major League Baseball's decision to move their annual All-Star game away from Atlanta due to quote-unquote voter suppression, the Daily Wire wanted to gauge the pulse of the nation as it relates to the infusion of politics into sports and hired Survey Monkey to interview 1,026 Americans, over 18 in a representative sample, 31% Republican, 34% Democrat, 35% Independent. That's not a representative sample. You had at least 15% Marxists. Anyway, to be clear, it's a random sample of Americans, not Daily Wire members. Major League Baseball's political activism is alienating fans. 64% of Americans, 64%, including a majority of baseball fans, Delta Airline customers and Coca-Cola consumers told the researchers they're less likely to support companies and organizations that insert themselves into political issues and debates. 70% of all respondents agree with the statement. Corporations and sports teams should generally stay out of politics. Remember when Stephen A. and I were talking, Mr. Producer, and I told him the same thing. No, 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 he said. Of course we can't. Ignore politics. It affects us too. Well, it may affect you too. But you're destroying your own industry. Another interesting finding of the poll is that despite an avalanche of negative media coverage, key provisions of Georgia's new election law are actually popular. 78% of respondents, including a majority of Democrats, Major League Baseball fans, non-white Americans, and all age groups, Support the law's ID requirement for absentee balloting. 78%. 63%, including a majority of non-whites, 48% of Democrats, too, support Georgia's law restrictions on the handing out of gifts, including refreshments, to voters nearing polling stations and voting lines. 67%, including a majority of Democrats and non-whites, support Georgia's new policies regulating ballot drop boxes. Now, the study also finds support for the Georgia law grew significantly after Americans actually learned what was in it, as opposed to what Joe Biden, Stacey Abrams, and the other flunkies are saying. 
Initially, 42% of Americans said they were supportive of the law. 38% opposed it. After learning, actually learning what's in the law, 71% said they were more supportive. This is why they have to lie all the time about what they're doing, who they represent, and who they are. While 55% of Americans polled were initially supportive of Major League Baseball's decision, over a half said, if 54%, they became less supportive of the league's action if they're learning what the new law actually said. So the poll reveals what? The impact that misinformation from the left-wing media and left-wing policies, uh, personalities and Democrat hacks and the imbecile in the Oval Office, what they say. And based on what they've been saying, one would think the law specifically targets the black community and disenfranchises the black community. Jim Crow on steroids, right? Now, Patrick Ruffini, a pollster with Echelon Insights, explained to the Daily Caller, corporations are quickly learning that the new Georgia law is not the second coming of Jim Crow as it was sold by Stacey Abrams. In more than one poll, a plurality of Americans support the law, and over two-thirds are on board with its key provisions, including on voter ID and its changes to absentee and early voting. Now, these results show that the Georgia law is in line with a broad bipartisan consensus, that it should be easy to vote but hard to cheat. For the Democrats... It should be easy to vote, so it's easy to cheat. I don't know how much more I can focus on this. We'll see as time goes on. But my view is you can't let these bastards get away with anything. While they're hollowing out our country from within. While they're turning American against American. While the likes of Joe Biden is incapable of leading a great nation. As I say day in and day out and said earlier in this program, China's on the move, Iran's on the move, Russia's on the move, our enemies are on the move. They see now as a propitious time to act. And as we have cataloged here, month after month, communist China is focused on Taiwan having almost devoured Hong Kong. Russia's now focusing on the Arctic. They've advanced hypersonic missiles, both countries as we do now as well. This is serious business. It's no joke. And yet our media spends at least almost no time on covering this issue, actually. I'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window... You can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. I am working feverishly. Morning, noon, and night. Between and around my radio show, Levin TV, our digital TV show, and my Sunday Fox show. As well as attending to family matters, of course. And in all the time I have available to me, before, during, and after, I'm working on those other matters, or addressing them, including each and every weekend, sometimes 12 to 14 hours a day, I'm trying to address what's taking place 
and trying to figure out how to conduct, uh, how to confront it. And I will be presenting that to you in the form of a book in a few months. Things are moving rapidly, however, so I, I can't be so fast as to be superficial. That's not the way I work. So I just want you to know that I am, in fact, uh, not just a Pollyanna, get behind the microphone, talk a few hours, two or three, and then run off to some local cafe. I don't do that. I never will do that. Some of us fight these, these uh, issues, this agenda, this tyranny in different ways. We all have our roles, right? And I've been blessed with this role. The ability to speak behind a microphone in front of a TV camera and to write. That's what I do. Ideas do have consequences, as you can see all around you. Ideas have consequences. Now is not the time to be silent. Now is not the time to be passive. Now is not the time to be an observer in your own role, in your own life. Talk to the people in your community. Talk to the people in your neighborhood, your church, your synagogue, your mosque. Talk to the people you come in touch with. You can be the modern-day Thomas Paine in your role and affect very many people more than you think. Alert them to what's taking place. Don't be afraid to be called names or to be characterized. People who do that are the enemy. The enemy who wants to, who wants to silence you. And if you get effective enough, and you're targeted even more, take pride in what you're doing. When I'm attacked by a newspaper or some media outlet, I attack back. But I always smile. Because if they didn't fear me, they wouldn't attack me. Find what's going on. Find what the hell's going on in your classrooms, in your school district. You pay for those damn schools. You pay the teachers. You pay the administration. You pay for the textbooks. Find out what's going on in your schools, whether you have children in those schools or not. Attend the board meetings. Demand that you want to see what the curricula is. All of it. You want to know what those kids are being taught in your community, the next generation. Demand it. I have many more ideas. That's just an obvious one. As an old school board member, I can tell you it has an effect. Look at your own lives right now. There are people pushing to defund the cops, or at least slash their budgets. Then you have a megalomaniac in the Oval Office who thinks he knows everything, and he doesn't even know that you can't tie your shoes together, particularly when you wear loafers. Now he's going to issue executive orders that are purporting to control your access and rights under the Second Amendment. Why, did you do something wrong? No, of course not. Doesn't matter. You're the target. If you're successful in this country, and you're not a left-wing Democrat, you're to be destroyed. Your money's to be taken from you and given to the Democrat Party base. And the future base, illegal aliens. Everything is funded on steroids except the cops and except the military. 
open borders, weaken law enforcement, weaken the United States military, disarm the American people. Perfect. Perfect for a counter-revolution, isn't it? Teach your children to hate themselves and to hate their country by using materials produced from the New York Times, the Holocaust denying New York Times, the Stalin supporting New York Times. These are centers of tyranny in the not-so-distant past. They talk about the rule of law when they threw coup after coup against the president, our president, Donald Trump. They assert their rights under the Constitution and then trash the men and women who, well, the men who wrote it and the men who adopted it and dismiss them as slave owners. God forbid if we live in their world. How many more states are they going to destroy? How many more cities are they going to destroy? It's not enough. They're poison. They want to spread into red states, turn them into purple states, turn purple states into blue states. They want us all to enjoy the paradise that they've created in California and Illinois and New York and New Jersey and Michigan where people can't get the hell out of those states fast enough. And they want to change the system permanently. They want to destroy what they call the white supremacist dominant culture and replace it with, I don't know, as if all white people think alike, come from the same place, or have exactly the same mind. You know where they get that from, Mr. Producer? Karl Marx. Two classes, not individuals. Not people who think for themselves. That's why the white liberal and the black liberal say to black people all over the country, you don't know how to get a voter ID. You don't know how to think for yourself. You'll go to the schools we tell you to go to. And we want to racialize everything so as to keep you upset. All the time. As they play one race against another. You know where they get that from, Mr. Producer? 1930s, Germany. Don't think that the media are above any of this. The media, in many respects, are leading the charge. I told you about the New York Times. I've written about the New York Times and on freedom of the press. Other people have now finally read it and are repeating it, and they should. These are diabolical corporations. They do not believe in a free press. They believe in a radical leftist activism agenda. Look what CBS did to Governor DeSantis. All the issues they can cover, all the corruption they can cover, just coming out of the Biden family. Look how they try to smear and character assassinate a governor. It's very interesting to me. I was thinking about this the other day as well. What do we really know about Kamala Harris? Has anybody done an investigation of Kamala Harris for the media? Never, and they never will. Of course they're not going to. She's one of them on the left. Why would they? All right. Any callers out there, Mr. Producer? I would like to speak to one. 
The great WBAP, Dallas, Texas. Robert, go right ahead, please. Uh, Mr. Levin, thank you so very much for taking my call. I uh, listen to you pretty regular. Thank you. You're one of the uh, great ones out there, and I do appreciate you. Uh, I guess I'm kind of venting my my thoughts about uh, Biden's use of the, the Jim Crow statement because in reality, uh, it's the height of hypocrisy when it's aimed at uh, Jim Biden, I mean, uh, Biden, because he has been nothing but close to that in his past. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, 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 my father fought in uh, World War II. I fought in Vietnam, and we love this country. We love That's the flag. Great patriots. Thank patriots. you. You see, that, and, and, and some of the listeners out there, they think just because you're a black American that you're automatically a liberal or that you're a Democrat. That's not true, brother. I'm telling you right now, I love this country. I voted for Donald Trump. So you're a black American? Because I'm a black American and I am a conservative. Mm -hmm. And just because we're black doesn't mean that we don't know what the truth is about the Constitution. But now, I know for a fact, my father told me he was a Republican. He fought in World War II. He dealt a little bit with racism back then because they didn't mix the troops back then but but he never looked at it that way he he looked at it as fighting for his country and that's the way he looked at it but um joe biden was one of those my, my father's told me he said he was one of those back then that he actually felt that joe biden probably might have been a member of the kkk because all the people that he hung out with and the guys that were his friends were close to being dixiecrats back then and mr robert Byrd. Uh, I believe he was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. You know, uh, Byrd was a Grand Klegel of the Ku Klux Klan. He started a, a, a chapter. He tried to expand it in West Virginia. And the irony of that, Robert, is that West Virginia broke off from Virginia because it was much more supportive of the Union than the Confederacy. And so here you have this senator who's a bigot and a racist. And uh, even though Biden was not a member of the Klan, uh, Biden was extremely close to two, at least two uh, segregationist senators from Mississippi, John Stennis and James Eastland. And, uh, and he was close to Robert Byrd uh, when he came into the Senate, too. The Democrats cannot wash their hands of their history. And so they choose not to speak of it. And so for Joe Biden to stand there, given his background, given his language, his language, what he said in the 1970s and early 1980s about integration, and about black people. The idea that a man can stand there now and throw around that Jim Crow phrase at Republicans and people who disagree with him, who had nothing to do with and would never have nothing to do with Jim Crow, is an abomination. It's hypocrisy on the Democrats' part. And here's the thing that I, I really, and, I, and I'll talk about it. I love this country, and I'll be very honest with you. Um, really and truthfully, uh, I think Biden is becoming an embarrassment to our country. I think mm-hmm. uh, the cognitive, I don't, I don't think he's all there. I really don't. And I wonder about the compassion and the caring of Pelosi or Harris or uh, maybe uh, 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 Schumer. Some of these, they, they need to exercise the 25th Amendment. Now, I don't want Harris in there. No, well, all first right. of all, they're not going to do it. They're getting everything they want because the guy is a, he's a mannequin. By the way, uh, Robert, let me ask you something. Uh, Pete Buttigieg now is saying some highways are racist. Can highways be racist? 
Can no, inanimate I mean, objects you know, be racist? No, that's about as crazy as saying because somebody was born white, they are automatically a racist. And me being a black man, there's no way I can be a racist because I'm black. You know, that is just a bunch of stuff, man. If I wanted to be, and I know some of black people that are racist, okay? I know some of them that actually were connected to the Black Panthers way back when. So, I mean, you're black, yes, you can be a racist. And a lot of people I know are racist, and they are black. And I know whites that are racist, but listen, we are Americans. Yeah, but we both know more people who are good people of all races, don't we? And they try and rip us apart. They try and tear this country apart, the radicals. But this idea that a highway now can be racist or infrastructure can be racist, this is how damn insane the whole thing has gotten. Robert, I want to thank you for your call from Dallas. Call again, my friend. We appreciate it. I'll be, and thank you and your father for your service. We'll be right back. Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right. Let's see. Let's go to Jim. Charlotte, North Carolina on XM Satellite. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. I, hey, uh, we talked about a year ago, I don't know if you remember or not, about Abraham Lincoln and mm-hmm. uh, his, dire, his dire warning that, uh, that the, the end of the republic could only happen if it comes from within and not from any outside adversary. He gave out a speech, I guess. He, okay. he did say that, as have others. Uh, Associate Justice Joseph Story was a brilliant man. Thomas Jefferson talked about it. Uh, in fact, Thomas Jefferson, and it's in one of my books, um, in response to John Adams in their old age, they were very, very good friends, and they wrote a lot. Uh, and he right. said, and I'm going to hold you over because I'm stepping on your time, sir, but nonetheless, you have uh, you prodded me to make this point. And what Jefferson said was, Rome was always going to fall. Cicero and Cato and Brutus, the three greats, couldn't even save Rome, even if they had the power to save Rome. And you know why? According to Jefferson, sir, he's scared because the people lost their virtue. Unlike the American people, Jefferson said, who had virtue and embraced their virtue. There's some serious questions about at least half the country, if you ask me. All right, we'll hold, uh, we'll hold them over. I believe it was Jim, and we'll be right back. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Here's an official release from the Department of the State of Confusion. The United States restores assistance for the Palestinians. Just stick with me. Anthony J. Blinken, Secretary of State, dated today, April 7, 2021. The United States is pleased to announce that working with Congress, we plan to restart U.S. economic development and humanitarian assistance for the Palestinian people. Now, here's the problem. This has nothing to do with the Palestinian people. The money doesn't go to the Palestinian people. They don't get checks like one of Joe Biden's massive spending schemes. It goes to the Palestinian Authority, which is crooked and corrupt. It's a mob operation. The money goes to enrich Abbas and his family and his consigliaries. They've divided up the economy such as it is in the Palestinian areas. Like fiefdoms. Same thing with the Iranians. Same thing with Hamas. So when they say they're going to provide humanitarian assistance for the Palestinian people, that is a lie. Let me continue. This includes $75 million in economic and development assistance in the West Bank and Gaza. The Gaza area is where Hamas is. A Muslim Brotherhood tied... Iranian regime tied terrorist operation that kills and threatens its own people. It's not the West Bank. Judea and Samaria didn't start when the concocted Jordanian transnational regime was created at a whole cloth. That part of the world, Judea, get it? Jew, Judea and Samaria... You can link to the Jewish people over 3,000 years ago. So when it comes to Native Americans in our country or elsewhere, we show some fealty to that. But when it comes to the Jews in Judea and Samaria, it's all of a sudden it's the West Bank. $10 million for peace-building programs through the U.S. Agency for International Development. How's that gone so far? And $150 million in humanitarian assistance for the U.N. Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, which is so thoroughly anti-Jew and anti-Israel, which is exactly why Trump cut off all of this. But Biden is a progressive for peace. Now, just to show you, this is the day today that they announced this. This is the day today that we find out that the United States of America, through the Biden administration is plotting and scheming with the Iranian regime through third European parties 
to lift sanctions at exactly the same time that the Iranians would agree to begin talks on their nuclear weapons, which of course they're not supposed to have. All this happening in a 24-hour period, and yet you probably didn't know that today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. You certainly won't see it in the front pages of the New York Times because when the Holocaust was taking place, the New York Times made sure nobody would know about it, let alone remember it. Actively censored it. Actively silenced the screams of the people in ovens and concentration camps in Europe from the knowledge of the American people until 1944 or so. Including at the behest of Franklin Roosevelt, admired so greatly by Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and all the Democrats and historians, the great Franklin Roosevelt, even Conrad Black, the great Franklin Roosevelt. That's right. Holocaust Remembrance Day. And the State Department puts out that statement related to the Palestinians today. The State Department is obviously going to breathe life back into the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. It's incredible, is it not? Yes, I think it is. Meanwhile, as we move along in the insanity that is our current situation... From the Daily Wire, the feds are likely to force companies to report pay by race and gender. Well, isn't that swell? I wonder why. Federal authorities, writes Marie McArdle, are expected to instate a never-implemented Obama-era rule mandating that companies provide the government with employee pay data broken down by race and gender. The latest in a series of actions the Biden administration has taken to use companies to push equity. Not equality, we've talked about this at length. Equity. Outcomes. Now why would we do this, ladies and gentlemen? Gone are the days when we're supposed to look at our fellow human beings as actual individuals. The EEOC, which works to enforce federal civil rights laws against workplace discrimination, is likely to start requiring companies with more than 100 employees to include pay equity data in their employer information reports. The idea behind collecting the data was that the EEOC would use it to identify and target companies that had a pay gap discrimination. This is how the ideology of the left infects every aspect of our society. Many of these corporate boards are going along willingly. But just in case the iron fist with the brass knuckles comes out, the EO says that the workforce data is shared with other federal agencies, and although the data is confidential, aggregated data is available to the public. And so now corporations will be targeted by Critical this theory, critical that theory, this group, that group, that one with that genitalia, another one that does this with their genitalia, and on and on and on, and that's what's going to happen. The mob will be unleashed. The rule was announced in October 2016 by the Barack Obama White House's Office of Management and Budget. But the Donald Trump administration scrapped the requirements the next year before it went into effect. Boy, do we miss him. Boy, do we miss Donald Trump. No wonder they hated his guts. 
More and more we're learning what he actually stopped and reversed and instituted. Donald Trump loved his country and still does. Can't say the same for uh, Biden, that's for sure. Some aspect of the revised collection (coughs) of information lack practical utility are unnecessarily burdensome and do not adequately address privacy and confidentiality issues, the Trump OMB had said. So a lawsuit was brought by the National Women's Law Center and Labor Council for Latin American Advancement, both of whom sued the EEOC and the Obama, excuse me, NOMB. And in March 2019, Judge Tanya Chutkin, Tanya Chutkin of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia and Obama appointee, sided with the advocacy groups. No way. She did? No way. You're telling me Tanya Chutkin sided with the advocacy groups? Issuing an opinion saying that OMB lacked good cause in its arbitrary and capricious move to suspend the new reporting. So here you have the executive branch instituting reporting measures under Obama without any statutory authority. Then you have Trump coming in and says, nah, we're going to reverse that. And then we have an Obama federal judge by the name of Tanya Chutkin who sides with the, with the petitioners, with the litigants. Because she says, you're changing the rule. It's arbitrary and capricious. You don't, that's like, you don't apply arbitrary and capricious to this. It's a change of administrations. The judge directed the EEOC to collect two years of pay data broken down by race and gender. Ah, uh, you got to love the judiciary. Comes to the election, see no evil, hear no evil, and all the rest of it. Speak no evil comes to any other aspect of our society, particularly the culture, they want in with both feet. The agency collected the pay equity data for 2017 and 2018 before closing out the survey early last year. And so here we go. The Biden administration is moving to crack down on companies it perceives as falling short in equity. Under the Biden administration, the SEC has sharpened its focus on environmental, social, and grievous actions of publicly traded companies, nebulous categories that one industry official say could lead to politicizing the role of corporations. You think it's hard to listen to this? Imagine having to enmesh yourself in this day in and day out. Really, Mr. Professor, do you know what I mean? Day in and day out. Sometimes I say to myself, Sometimes I say to myself, Mark, wouldn't it be easier to like, I don't know, do anything? Anything else? That not only have to read this, and not only have to be the recipient of endless emails with articles attached from every corner of the globe, sent to you three or four times the same headlines. Can you talk about this? Can you read this? Can you do this? At some point, you can only take so much of it. It's true. At some point, there's overload. But in the middle of this battle for the Republic, in the middle of this battle for the Republic, those days have to be few and far between. Because we must be resolute. And we must confront this. I'll be right back.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, let's go back to Jim, Charlotte, North Carolina, XM Satellite. He's been extremely patient. Jim, go right ahead, my friend. Uh, yes, sir. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, all those names you were mentioning, too, uh, Cicero and about the Romans and stuff, there was another guy uh, that I just remembered when I was waiting here for you. Paul Harvey in 1965 came up with this letter. I mentioned stuff. Cicero and you mentioned Paul Harvey, who I loved, by the way, but... Well, kind of different uh, different categories, but anyway, go ahead. Absolutely, but he mentioned what what America was all about and what we have. What no, we have I remember we have played that. Yep. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good one. But bottom line is, is uh, that's number one. Number two, Biden knows exactly what he's doing. He's he's a nitwit. He's a moron. He's not a hundred percent with it. But when it comes to this, he knows exactly what he's doing. And it's time we stop giving him a pass. He's not that far gone that he doesn't know what he's doing. And what he's doing is not necessarily for ideological reasons, although he's happy to be, uh, uh, he's happy to be thrown in with that crowd. Now, what he's doing, as I've said over and over again, is for legacy. And that was proven out when he called some historians to the Oval Office and they told him about his legacy, that he can go bigger than FDR and the others. He can go faster. There are ways to do it. And then history will celebrate him. That's what he's doing. He's an egomaniac. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. Scott, Superior, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Go. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Levin. Uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to point out on these uh, so-called ghost guns, which are firearms without a serial number. Back in 1791, when the Second Amendment was ratified, most guns didn't have a serial number. So the founders, even though there were some that did have them... No, well, I, here's my question to you, uh, Scott. How many... Law-abiding citizens have guns without serial numbers. Almost none. The number is huge because you don't no, have almost to have none. a background check to get them. Right. So the people with the serial numbers, the number is massive. The people without the number is minuscule. And what people mostly have guns without serial numbers? Not all, but mostly. Gang members. I know you're going to say criminals, but that's not true. Gang members, it is true. I've studied this very carefully. 
Why, do you have a gun without a serial number? No, no, I don't. Neither but do I. There's many companies that make them. Well, I don't know companies that make guns without serial numbers. Which ones? Polymer 80. They're what? I'm talking about major gun manufacturers. All right, thanks for your call. I'm talking about major gun manufacturers. None. None. I don't have a problem with serial numbers on them. Why? Is something going on with serial numbers? I want us to be able to track down criminals. I do. The problem is the people who are killing people in the inner cities, for the most part, have guns where they shave off the serial numbers. You know, there's certain mountains to die on, ladies and gentlemen. There's certain mountains to die on. I don't think serial numbers is one of them. There's going to be a lot of battles going on related to gun control and gun confiscation. I don't think you take one of the weakest arguments involving some tiny fraction of a percentage of the population, and that's where you, and that's where you uh, plant your flag. At least that's not where I'm going. And I don't take a backseat to anybody when it comes to the Bill of Rights. All of them. Dorothy, Sweet Valley, Pennsylvania, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, Dorothy. Hi, Mark. What does the government do once it disarms its citizens? Whatever it wants. And all this defunding the police, how about we defund the taxpayer-funded bodyguards protecting the politicians calling to defund I'm not opposed to all these ideas. It's just never going to happen. So we can vent about that. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, That the politicians are hypocrites. And you can see immediately uh, they attack the military, but they surround the Capitol building with the military. They attack the cops, and then they pretend to care about the cops. I see it. We all see it. The problem is we really are facing a growing tyranny here. We're not looking into the abyss. We're in the abyss now. And these regulations and fiats and, and, uh, and the rest of them are being instituted so quickly uh, that they're devouring our society. Look what's going on just in the last few years with respect to uh, elementary schools, government-run elementary schools. What our kids are being taught about sex and gender, what our kids are being taught about race is a scandal. It is, it is going to undermine our own society. It is going to forever divide this nation. And I can go on and on with what they're doing. It's absolutely sickening. And it's, anima- it's not just anti-American, it's un-American. And people are perfectly happy with that. Decades and decades of uh, teachers' union control of our public schools. Decades and decades of the Democrat Party in, uh, in uh, working together with these entities. Decades of decades of indoctrination in colleges and law schools and, and, uh, and other schools when it comes to race. What used to be fringe is now center stage. It's really quite, quite shocking, Dorothy. And where is Sweet Valley, Pennsylvania? I'm from Pennsylvania. Where is that? It's, it's by Dallas. Uh, Joe Biden was here uh, doing his... All right. Uh, he had a rally here in Dallas, Pennsylvania, and there was, all Trump supporters showed up. It was great. I wonder how many Pennsylvanians, I'm a Pennsylvanian by birth, I wonder how many Pennsylvanians that worked in the oil fields and steel mills and so forth who voted for Joe Biden have any regrets now. I bet there are. There's nothing but Trump signs all over the place here, and there still are. They're not taking them down. I agree with you. It's, It's really Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and the surrounding suburbs in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, its suburbs, and Pittsburgh, for the most part, that's where all the action was. 
The rest of the state is really quite conservative. You're quite right. All right, my best to you, Dorothy, and the folks in Sweet Valley, Pennsylvania. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. You see, the Marxist is never done. They're never done creating tumult. They're never done creating crises. They're never done spending, regulating, controlling. It never ends well. Can you point to any Marxist-oriented society? Oh, they call themselves democratic socialists, but we know what they are. Can you point to any that is not a police state? Just one. Bernie Sanders would be the the general of the police state. He was on a Vermont small business discussion video call today. And here in part is what he said. Cut eight, go. I think the American Rescue Plan was a major step forward in addressing the current emergencies brought uh, to us as a result of the pandemic, uh, hunger, many families facing hunger, lack of health care, eviction, uh, etc. Uh, but if I have anything to say about it, we're going to go further. See, we're going to go further. If he has anything to say about it, a senator who represents about 14 people, no offense. If he has anything to say about it, we're going to go further. How far, Bernie? Tell us how far. You know, a lot of us carry around a copy of the Constitution or we have it within arm's reach. Bernie has a copy of the Communist Manifesto. Tell me, has Venezuela gone far enough for you, uh, Bernie? How about Cuba? Have they gone far enough? Communist China gone far enough with their concentration camps? Now, three, these are three real-time Marxist states. In the name of the people, on behalf of the people, these are three real-time Marxist states. Are the people free? Are they independent? Are they happy? No, and they better not step out of line. So where is this great utopia? Where is it? Where has it ever been? 
A hundred million dead, over a billion enslaved. Where is this place? And so they want to take this this horrific ideology in one form or another and impose it on the rest of us. And impose it on the rest of us. If he has anything to say about it, we're going to go further, ladies and gentlemen. Much further. That's where he is, and that's where the Democrats are, because now Bernie Sanders and AOC are the titular heads of the Democrat Party. On this Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin, which has restored the long-form interview of one but no more than two guests, so that we can actually learn things and hear things rather than cut each other off, it's an old prototypical format that I grew up on and very much appreciated with Bill Buckley and Tom Soule and Milton Friedman and so many other great men and women. And I thought I would bring it back to modern day television broadcasting because it was missing. It was missing. And that's the point of life, liberty, and live in. And we not only bring in people who are newsmakers... Even less than that, we bring in people who can talk about events of the day or talk about events in the future or talk about things that have happened in the past. And so I've brought people on the program that now sort of work their way through the rest of the hosts on the cable show, on the cable shows. But the key is the format. And I'm glad to see that others are picking up on this and that it is spreading. Fox Nation, which is a digital format, I see they have Tucker doing this now. This is a good thing. But on Blaze TV, we've been doing it for a very long time. I've been doing it for over five years now. And I've been on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin. What is it, Mr. Producer? Three years or four years? I don't even know anymore. Three or four years, I'll put it that way. And the format has done superbly well. When I first was asked to do a Fox show, I was asked. And I'm glad I was. I was very excited about it. My wife and I went to New York. We met with Rupert Murdoch. Let me tell you something. That man is a genius. He was also very kind. And he knew. He knew digital. He knew. He knew. It's like he was uh, just remarkable in his knowledge base about new technologies, far more than I was. And uh, Suzanne Scott, a wonderful lady, who I've known for many years when she headed the digital for Fox and so forth. And it was she who recruited me to do the program. And they asked me, what kind of program would I do? And I said, I need to do my kind of program which would be a long-form interview show, and that I would just need time to build the audience because my radio audience, you folks, you Levinites, are very loyal and to build it with other potential viewers as well. And they allowed me to do that without any interference whatsoever. Period. February 2018, so it's been three years. And um, the ratings have been unbelievable, really. And I even suggested, give me the toughest slot you have. And it was 10 p.m. at night, Eastern Time on Sunday, and that's what I got, 10 p.m. I took it. 
And then after about a month or six weeks, 10 p.m. was the number one prime time show on Sunday on Fox and on every other news cable network. And then they decided to move it to 8 p.m. Fine by me. And we remain the number one prime time news talk program on Fox, as well as on all the other networks. And Maria Bartiroma does a hell of a job, and she scores very, very high as well. Uh, as do other hosts. I'm not, you know, when you, I shouldn't have gone down this, this line, but, but there are others, and they do a fantastic job. I very much enjoy uh, Fox and Friends during the week and Fox and Friends Saturday and Sunday. My buddy Pete Hegseth. Uh, but anyway, so it, I was committed to this long form uh, format. Some uh, second or third tier individuals uh, suggested that I change it, that I do more of the other. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Because on Sunday night, as when I was growing up with Sunday night, people want to hear more of a substantive, I think, and uh, maybe not during the week, but I felt on the weekend, for sure, more of a substantive-oriented uh, discussion. And uh, that's what I do on Life, Liberty, and Living. As you can see, there are now programs that are being developed around exactly the same format. Because you're smart people. And so we started that back again. You can see it's picking up on uh, Fox Nation and so forth. And that's a good thing. Now, on... Levin TV, I do things a little differently. No guests. No guests. Now, I have guests from now and then, but almost never a guest. And it's aired twice a week. And I'll do it for uh, about 40 minutes, give or take. And I do a deep dive on subjects that I think are very, very important. Very interesting. We'll also have a lot of fun. I particularly like the funny dog clips that are out there and so forth. But in that instance, there's no commercial interruption whatsoever, like on radio, like on cable or anything. It is straight through. And uh, Tyler Cardone, who is the CEO, has done a fantastic job over at the Blaze TV Network, formerly Conservative Review TV. Uh, and the hosts there have done a fantastic job. And we are truly an independent digital TV enterprise. We're not tied to any other broadcast company, whether cable or network or satellite. We fly on our own. We make our own decisions. And the only way we survive, because it costs money to run these shows, you know, you have to have equipment. Uh, you have to have staff and so forth, cameras and lights and audio. It's because of you. Because of you. And truthfully, the first person to begin to blaze this trail was Glenn. Glenn Beck. And I was approached, I guess six years or so, ago or so, with a different take on this process. Uh built around something we would call Levin TV. And I was very excited about that too. 
because that would be a platform in which there is absolutely no commercials. And Levin TV grew into this conservative review TV network, and that network combined with Blaze TV, and now we have this fantastic platform on digital TV. But again, if you listen to this show on radio, I'll have guests from time to time, but I don't have a format that requires me to have guests. I make a decision every day if there's news breaking or somebody interesting or an interesting book. I'm not going to do a conga line of authors one after another. Management doesn't even want that. And you don't want it. But if there's one or two are here that are particularly important or timely or what have you, then of course. It's flexible. It's wide open. But anyway, I wanted to comment on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I wanted to thank you. We're going to have another fantastic long-form interview program this Sunday as we do every Sunday. And uh, you're such a fantastic audience that they rerun a show on Saturday. That, that came about a year ago, I guess. Which does very well in the ratings, I suppose. So there you have it. And it's all due to you. Rush was always right. Rush was always right. He said, the audience is everything. Everything. And he's quite right. He was quite right. Am I caught up on all my commercials, Mr. Producer? I've lost my place here. All right, we'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Faye, Meriden, Connecticut, if that's how you pronounce it, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Faye? I'm well, and thank you so much for everything you do and the hard work and thorough quality research you put into everything. You're very sweet. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, Yes, Mr. Levine, I'm actually a psychiatrist in Connecticut. I think I could use one about right now, but anyway, go right ahead. Um, But the main reason I'm calling is uh, an article that I became aware of in the National Review, and I'll make it short. But there are two physicians who uh, the article wrote an article called An Anti-Racist Agenda for Medicine. But essentially what they're advocating for is preferential care based on race or ethnicity. And it's it's chilling. Um, 
And it just this ideology has no safe haven anywhere for anybody, does it? No, I feel like you know my my profession is is now infected, and, and, and it has been. I mean, I listened to your interview of Bandy Lee, which was amazing. Um, she was dismissed from uh, Yale, the uh-huh. Department of uh, Psychiatry at Yale, and she's suing them. But it's 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 so pervasive, and um, I, I, it's I, in every walk of life. Uh, it is in medical school. It's obviously in law school. It's in elementary and middle schools. It's in high school. It obviously uh, pervades uh, colleges and universities where we don't have academic freedom anymore or free speech or engagement on, on an intellectual or scholarly level over ideas. We are banning books, banning monuments, banning movies, banning toys, banning cartoon figures. We're banning, and we are, uh, we're doing it left and right, like we're some kind of autocratic regime. And we're getting there, aren't we? Well, we're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're there. You know, I, uh, I live in Meriden, and our next um, head of the Department of Education is uh, one of Meriden's own. Um, <laughs> oh, he or she is a Meridinian. Yes, yes, yes. All right, don't get mad. That music means, uh, Faye, that I have to go. Please call again. I'd love to pursue this further with you, really. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and, of course, emergency personnel. And all of you regular patriotic Americans, God bless you all. And I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Take care.